Welcome to Bible Curious, where we explore the entire Bible from cover to cover, asking ourselves, what is the Holy Bible? What claims does it make about God? And what message does it have for us today? Whether you are faithful or unfaithful, believing, unbelieving, or just plain curious, this series is for you. I'm Arthur Milliken, and today we will be reading Matthew chapters 12 and 13 from the World English Bible. You can find our reading plan at biblecurious.org forward slash plan. The Gospel According to Matthew, Chapter 12, Introduction Having established his divine authority through his teaching and performance of miraculous healings, Jesus began to attract the attention of the Pharisees, a Jewish sect of teachers and professors of Torah. Torah is a Jewish word meaning law. One of the more significant laws in Jewish culture was the prohibition against performing work on Saturday, also known as the Sabbath. This was one of the Ten Commandments spoken by God from the top of Mount Sinai, written into tablets of stone. And Jesus sets himself on a collision course with the Jewish authorities by deliberately provoking the Pharisees over this Sabbath prohibition. This chapter includes the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus heals on the Sabbath, God's chosen servant, a house divided, the unpardonable sin, good and bad fruit, the sign of Jonah, an unclean spirit returns, Jesus' mother and brothers. Chapter 12 At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the grain fields. His disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But the Pharisees, when they saw it, said to him, Behold, your disciples do what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Haven't you read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered into God's house and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath day, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? But I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you wouldn't have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath." He departed from there and went into their synagogue, and behold, there was a man with a withered hand. They asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day, so that they might accuse him? He said to them, What man is there among you who has one sheep? And if this one falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, won't he grab onto it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath day. Then he told the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored whole, just like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him, how they might destroy him. Jesus, perceiving that, withdrew from there. Great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and commanded them that they should not make him known that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, 
Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit on him. He will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not strive nor shout. Neither will anyone hear his voice in the streets. He won't break a bruised reed. He won't quench a smoking flax until he leads justice to victory. In his name, the nations will hope. Then one possessed by a demon, blind and mute, was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. All the multitudes were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This man does not cast out demons except by Beelzebul, the prince of the demons. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I, by Beelzebul, cast out demons, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then God's kingdom has come upon you. Or how can one enter into the house of the strong man and plunder his goods unless he first bind the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who doesn't gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in that which is to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit, you offspring of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man out of his good treasure brings out good things. And the evil man out of his evil treasure brings out evil things. I tell you that every idle word that men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words... You will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Then certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah, the prophet. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up in the judgment with this generation and will condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, someone greater than Jonah is here. 
the queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and will condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. When an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he passes through waterless places seeking rest and doesn't find it. Then he says, I will return into my house from which I came. And when he has come back, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with himself seven other spirits more evil than he is. And they enter in and dwell there. The last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Even so will it be also with this evil generation. While he was yet speaking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside seeking to speak to him. One said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers stand outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered him who spoke to him, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? He stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. The idea of the Sabbath as a day of rest comes from Genesis chapter 2, after God created the heavens and the earth. On the seventh day, God finished his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested in it from all the work of creation which he had done. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught that behind the letter of the law existed eternal principles which were superior to the language of the law itself. And here, Jesus demonstrates in practice the principle behind the Sabbath doctrine. If the Sabbath is a day of rest, well, what exactly is rest? It is the body's opportunity to heal. And if rest is equivalent to healing, then to perform healing on the Sabbath is perfectly consistent with the doctrine of Sabbath rest. When challenged about this doctrine, Jesus bypasses the logical argument and replies instead, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. If you follow Jesus, it is not necessary to become a professor of Torah in order to be in compliance with the law. Jesus is the embodiment of Torah and thus will never lead you astray. However, the Pharisees would have none of it and continued slandering Jesus, saying, Only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, does this man drive out demons. This accusation really angers Jesus, because by twisting the narrative in this way, these Pharisees were endangering the mental health of the man who had just been healed. Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in that which is to come. There's much to unpack here. Jesus admits that it is part of his mission to be slandered by men, and that slander would be forgiven. However, the healing work performed by God through Jesus was not to be twisted in this way. 
it was especially cruel for these Pharisees to tell the man who had been restored to his right mind that his restoration was caused by an even greater demon named Beelzebul. Jesus rightly labels these Pharisees seven evil spirits when he describes the consequences of their irresponsible, malevolent behavior. When an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he passes through waterless places seeking rest and doesn't find it. Then he says, I will return into my house from which I came. And when he has come back, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with himself seven other spirits more evil than he is. And they enter in and dwell there. The last state of the man becomes worse than the first. Even so will it be also to this evil generation. The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 13, introduction. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is Jesus' signal to his followers to listen for hidden meanings beneath the surface of his teaching. All of the Gospels are rich in parables, which were one of Jesus' favorite modes of teaching. A parable is a brief story used to illustrate a universal truth or moral principle. However, Jesus took this a step further by crafting stories where the meaning would not be obvious until further information is provided, which would enlighten the student's mind with regards to that parable. This had the additional consequence of creating a separation between Jesus's faithful students and the hostile Pharisees who were only there to embarrass or discredit him. This chapter includes the parable of the sower, the purpose of Jesus's parables, the parable of the sower explained, the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven, I will open my mouth in parables, the parable of the weeds explained, the parables of the treasure and the pearl, the parable of the net, the rejection at Nazareth. Chapter 13. On that day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside. Great multitudes gathered to him so that he entered into a boat and sat and all the multitudes stood on the beach. He spoke to them many things in parables, saying, Behold, a farmer went out to sow. As he sowed, some seeds fell by the roadside, and the birds came and devoured them. Others fell on rocky ground, where they didn't have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of earth. When the sun had risen, they were scorched, because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among thorns. The thorns grew up and choked them. Others fell on good soil and yielded fruit, some 100 times as much, some 60, and some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, To you... It is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but it is not given to them. For whoever has, to him will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever doesn't have, from him will be taken away even that which he has. Therefore I speak to them in parables, 
Because seeing they don't see, and hearing they don't hear, neither do they understand. In them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, By hearing you will hear and will in no way understand. Seeing you will see and will in no way perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are dull of hearing, and they have closed their eyes, or else perhaps they might perceive with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and would turn again, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For most certainly I tell you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see the things which you see, and didn't see them, and to hear the things which you hear, and didn't hear them. Hear then the parable of the farmer. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown by the roadside. What was sown on the rocky places? This is he who hears the word and immediately with joy receives it, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. When oppression or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. What was sown among the thorns? This is he who hears the word, but the cares of this age and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. What was sown on the good ground? This is he who hears the word and understands it, who most certainly bears fruit and produces some 100 times as much, some 60, and some 30. He set another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while people slept, his enemy came and sowed darnel weeds also among the wheat and went away. But when the blades sprang up and produced grain, then the darnel weeds appeared also. The servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where did these darnel weeds come from? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest perhaps while you gather up the darnel weeds, you root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, First, Gather up the darnel weeds and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. He set another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is smaller than all seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in its branches. He spoke another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal until it was all leavened. Jesus spoke all these things in parables to the multitudes, and without a parable he didn't speak to them, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house. His disciples came to him, saying, 
Explain to us the parable of the darnel weeds of the field. He answered them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the children of the kingdom, and the darnel weeds are the children of the evil one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. As therefore the darnel weeds are gathered up and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that cause stumbling and those who do iniquity, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is a merchant seeking fine pearls, who, having found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some fish of every kind, which, when it was filled, fishermen drew up on the beach. They sat down and gathered the good into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be in the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked from among the righteous and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? They answered him, Yes, Lord. He said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been made a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a man who is a householder, who brings out of his treasure new and old things. When Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. Coming into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? They were offended by him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. He didn't do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. The Greek word for brothers is adelphoi, and while the word can sometimes be used affectionately to denote cousins or brothers in the faith, it's crystal clear here that James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas are actual brothers of Jesus and children of Mary and Joseph. I bring this up only as a teaser. There's a reason why the early church fathers and the Roman Catholic Church decided to make the ridiculous claim that Mary was a perpetual virgin. It was to protect a critically important secret known to the apostles, but which had not been disclosed publicly by the gospel writers. Shifting gears, 
This chapter illustrates the role of the student in relationship to the teacher. When Jesus gives a parable and the student experiences confusion, it is the student's role to ask for clarification, which Jesus then provides. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open for you. In this chapter, Jesus explains the parable of the sower and the parable of the weeds, but does not explain the other parables. Perhaps those other parables have obvious meanings which require no explanation, but perhaps not. So, now that Jesus is no longer physically with his followers, how are we supposed to get answers to our questions? Let us pray. Father in heaven, creator of all, thank you for this amazing gift of your word, for the deep wisdom you provided us through the ministry of your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, for caring enough about us to give us instructions for reconciling ourselves to you. Today, I ask that you give us the spirit of inquisitiveness and curiosity and the courage to seek your kingdom and to ask you for answers to our ever-growing list of questions. Near the top of my own list is this. What do you mean when the scriptures talk about the end of this age? Are we still living in the same age as the writers of scripture 2,000 years later? Is the final judgment something real? Something I need to be concerned about? What is the fire that Jesus was talking about in his parables? Will I be alive to see it? What should I do? to secure a place on the right side of your judgment? What can I do to help those whom I care about so that they too can put themselves in a right relationship with you? I know that you've promised that when we ask, it will be given to us, that when we seek, we shall find, and that when we knock, the door will be open to us. Please give us faith so that we can truly believe that you will always keep your promises. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening. If you satisfied any of your Bible curiosity, please rate this series. If you have feedback, write a review. And if you're still curious for more, please subscribe so that we can send you timely updates and join us for our next episode where we will be reading Matthew chapters 14 through 17, Son of the Living God. This is Arthur Milliken saying good night and God bless.